Welcome to the bridge. We're so grateful that you're here with us this morning. Uh, thank you for bringing your kids. Uh, I was just back there in the children's church rooms and the nursery and uh, getting to interact with them a little bit. And what a beautiful sight uh, to see uh, the classrooms full of little smiling faces and Crosby in here just letting it rip. He's not uh, bashful about singing during worship. He, he's just letting it go. Uh, just so thankful for all of your kids here with us today. Uh, we are grateful to uh, be hosting uh, the SAFI team with us here today. Uh, they're here to uh, be with us. Just they got a table out there in the foyer. Uh, make sure and stop by there and talk to uh, Miss Lisa before you get out of here today. Um, they are for uh, foster care and training uh, for that reason and purpose in Lewis County, and we're grateful to uh, host them and welcome to the bridge. Let's welcome Safi here with us today. <laughs> Children are a heritage of the Lord, and God, I believe, puts responsibility upon a church uh, to be their defenders and to be the one that stands up and takes their side. And we're so grateful to live in a country of freedom that we're in. And we do know that these are uncertain times. And it was pretty strange that we started this sermon series last Sunday named and titled Uncertain, uh, not knowing what this week uh, would throw out the world. Uh, but it even solidifies even that much more what I stated last week, uh, that if there's any word that I know of that describes the day and hour in which we're living, uh, the word uncertain is that word. And uh, this whole week I've been talking uh, with different people in different uh, situations, and uh, uh, just thinking about Kaylee and Joe Don and them, uh, having a little baby this week, so the bridge grew by one, no matter what, and we always hope for visitors, and sometimes they come in form of a new baby, and we uh, are grateful for little crew and all that he's gonna do here at the bridge. He's part of our uh, church now. We're just uh, pray blessings over Kaylee and Joe Don and the family. Uh, they're not here today, but uh, they'll be back, and they'll bring crew here shortly to be with us and we're so uh, happy for them. Um, this uncertain series, as we stated last week, and the word uncertain is defined as this, according to Merriam-Webster's dictionary, uh, two parts to the definition. It says, not knowing what to do or believe, we're not able to decide about something, not known or fixed, or not completely certain. So this uncertain series, we're looking into the story of Joseph in the Old Testament book of Genesis, which the word Genesis means the beginnings. Uh, so this is the paragraph that I write out for our sermon series as we go through these every year. Uh, the paragraph here is this. The current state of affairs of the world could definitely be labeled as uncertain. My desire is to present biblical truths from the story of Joseph that will help us keep hope alive 
during unexpected times. The last 13 chapters of Genesis is devoted to the story of Joseph. That's 25% of the first book of the Bible. In saying that, there must be some significant truths that caused God to have Moses to account for Joseph's story. But if we sum up all that, Genesis chapter 37 through verse 50, and I want you as a church, as our congregation, to be reading this over and over and over during this series because uh, we can't sit up here and read that story to you, but you can definitely read it throughout the week, and uh, we're going to keep posting things and, and encouraging you to read this account of Joseph's life in the, gospel, or in the beginning book of Genesis, chapter 37 through 50. Look at your neighbor and say, you need to read. You wasn't very enthused by that. Won't you look at him again and say, no, you're, really, you need to read. John Maxwell says, readers are leaders. Readers are leaders. If you're going to lead or be the example that God wants you to be, you need to be reading the Word of God uh, because it becomes engrafted in our heart and it is just like a seed that is planted in the ground naturally here on this earth that we're living. The Word of God planted in your heart will grow into uh, the fruit that you will need in future days. So read chapter 37 through 50 of Genesis. But to sum all of the chapter and verses up, the story of Joseph is this, summed up in the whole, Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. And this is Joseph stating this back to his brothers. You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so that I could save the lives of many people. What if we believed that God has that mandate on our lives? That he has taught us, that he has given us his word, that he has allowed us to go through some situations, some troubles and some trials and some afflictions. Not that he is beating us up, but that we are learning from those experiences and that we can use them to his glory to save others from the troubles and trials that they may face. That we could be pictures of God's faithfulness in the midst of a mess. How many believes that God will never leave us nor forsake us? That he will go with us even to the end of the age. That is his truth. That is his spoken word. That is his written word. No matter what you're facing in this place today, know this, God is with you. Amen. That is true. So Joseph understood this, and he said, it's all intended, the sum of it all, of my life. You, brothers, may have intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. God's going to turn it around. And then last week we read in Acts chapter 7, verses 9 through 18, and it's the story where Stephen, one of the early disciples that was in the beginning stages of the church when the church was first initiated, and Stephen was this disciple that was speaking truth to people that may not want to hear the truth. But he spoke it anyway. 
And they were in the process of stoning him to death. And they took him out to the edge of the city, and he begins to tell the story of all the Old Testament to sum it up that it was all pointing towards Jesus. So every Old Testament story, every Old Testament uh, uh, verse, all the books of the Old Testament were all aiming. Thank God for no hum. Amen. That's a lot better. Thank you, Leslie. Everybody give Leslie a big hand. She just ended the hum. Now I can think clearly. I can see clearly now. So Stephen begins to tell the story, and part of the story that he describes in Acts chapter 7 as he's declaring to these people that's fixing to kill him, he speaks several verses here about the story of Joseph. And it's basically what I call the cliff note section in the New Testament that describes 13 chapters in the Old Testament. So if you want to read, and you don't want to read very much, and you're too lazy to read Genesis 37 through 50, just like you do in school, right? You go to college, and you'll take a class, and they'll hand you a book, and you're supposed to read it, and you're supposed to get through all these questions and answers and all that stuff, and then the next thing you know, you wait till like two days before, Right, Ammon? And, and, and you get the cliff note version, and you, you'll go through and try to figure all of it out in a hole just so I can get the whole picture real easy. So Stephen wrote your cliff note version for you, and you can read that in Acts chapter 7, verses 9 through 18. God doesn't want us to be lazy. Amen? In our reading, he doesn't want us to be lazy. So in week one, last week, we started this out and we talked about Joseph's two, his two dreams that uh, he began in Genesis chapter 37. And he, he talks about these two dreams that he has and he tells them to his brothers. And uh, they didn't like it very much because he was telling them a dream that God showed him. I don't know that God intended for him to tell it to his brothers right off, but because when we're young and uh, we're not well uh, versed in how to conduct ourselves in life, uh, we make mistakes. Can any old people say amen? When we're young, we make mistakes. Hopefully, the older we get, we stop making those dumb mistakes. But even though we make those mistakes, God can use them in His grand scheme to bring about truce to society. So even when we mess up, even when we fall short, even when we don't act the way we ought to act, God can use that for a picture of His redemption, of His grace, of His mercy, of His truth, that He stays with us even in the midst of our mistakes. So Joseph, he shared those two dreams. They didn't like it very much. And I talked last week about how that he was basically the CIO of the organization of the family. He was the chief information officer, and he was the one that was uh, given the task that his dad would send him out to see what the brothers were doing in the fields, and he would come back with information to his father and tell the father, here, here, dad, here's what's going on, here's what the brothers are doing. 
He had sent them to a certain field. They got to that field. They didn't like it there, so they went where they wanted to go. They didn't follow directions. Can any parents say amen? You send your kids to do something. Next thing you know, tell them to go clean their room. You'll go up there a couple hours later. What will they be doing? Probably be in a different room doing something they wasn't told to do, right? That's kind of the way it is. So this story's that way. And Joseph, uh, I don't know if you considered him a tattletale. Leslie says, what, what is it she says all the time? Uh, snitches get stitches and end up in ditches. <laughs> I think that's kind of biblical because this story says exactly that. <laughs> so when you're the CIO, you're the chief information officer, you need to think about what you speak. And we talked about that last week. That the Bible tells us to be uh, swift to hear and slow to speak. We need to listen more than we talk. That's why you have two ears and one mouth. Listen twice as much as you speak. Uh, probably would be beneficial. But this week I want us to look at another position, and we're going to go through some things here um, in an organizational structure that you can be the chief information officer, but that isn't your uh, destination. That may be a process along the journey that you start in this position. But God intends for you to grow. So this week I want to talk about two other individuals that had dreams because I told you last week that you need to be dreaming. And I've been praying that you've been dreaming. Um, Anne told me that she's been dreaming, but not dreams that she wanted to dream. So and nothing with uh, spiritual significance. Probably ate too much pizza at Al's and Artie's and caused her to have those thoughts or whatever. But I do believe in spiritual dreams, and I do believe that God can direct us through those dreams. And um, Just a few weeks ago, Rick stood up and told us about a dream that he had had, and he was praying that God would give him uh, direction through those dreams, and Allow him to see the spiritual significance of those dreams. So God is actively speaking to the world today and through humans through dreams. I believe he speaks through his word. I believe he speaks through his preachers, teachers in the Sunday school classes. And I also believe that he can speak to you individually through a dream. Everybody say amen. You've got to be willing to accept that. Because there's too many biblical accounts of God using dreams all throughout Scripture to teach us that that is the way He operates. So He hasn't changed. We need to change. Amen? And if He wants to talk to me through a dream, so be it. We need to accept that. So there's these two other individuals, and we'll get to them here in week two. They're known as two individuals uh, the cupbearer and the baker. And I wrote this down. Doing the right thing while in times of blessing or in times of despair is always the correct thing to do. So these individuals, as we're going to look through this story, continuation of this in Genesis, we need to see that God is using different people and different people's dreams to paint a picture for us that we can follow and learn some truths. So here we are, week two. 
the cupbearer, and the baker. So we need to learn to be faithful in good times. How many likes good times? A show of hands. You like, you like the good times? Let the good times roll, right? So in Genesis chapter 39, we started in 37, now we're in 39. Genesis chapter 39, verses 1 through 6 says this. Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt. An Egyptian named Potiphar, an official of Pharaoh, and the captain of the guard purchased him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him there. The Lord was with Joseph. He was successful and lived in the household of his Egyptian master. His master observed that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made everything he was doing successful. So Joseph found favor in his sight and he became his personal attendant. Potiphar appointed Joseph as overseer of his household and put him in charge of everything he owned. From there, from the, that time, Potiphar appointed him over his household and all, all that he owned, and the Lord blessed the Egyptian household for Joseph's sake. I'm so blessed that my cup's spilling over. If you get close to me, you better just accept this right now. You're going to get blessed. Come on, somebody. As a church, as a Christian group of people, we, we should be so blessed that if the world comes in close contact with us, it should be on autopilot that they are going to begin to be blessed because they're close to us. Amen. We need to pray that God bless us. And I, I want us as a church to be so blessed that we just can't help but be a blessing to others. Amen. It's tax season. Glory to God. I love April 15th. It's my favorite day of the year. I look forward to biblical taxation coming upon me. Come on, somebody. I want it God's way. You might not know this, but we're getting ready to learn some stuff about taxes in the biblical term. I want to be blessed so much that you can make me a prisoner. And you can make me a slave. And you can make it seem like everything gloom and doom is all over me. And God will still be with me. I'm still going to be blessed. Amen. In the midst of good times, Joseph is there. And this is a good time in a bad situation. How many would like to be a slave today? That your brothers and your sisters would sell you as a slave to strangers. And lie to your dad... This sounds like a very bad situation, doesn't it? But Joseph is going to be Joseph no matter where he's at. Amen. Christians need to be Christians sitting in a church house, and they need to be Christians on their job site. And they need to be Christians when they're walking down to Chiggers to buy them a hamburger. Amen. When you're standing there at that window, you can't be mean to the little girl behind the window. This is a plug. I don't know if you know that, Brittany. This is a plug. Okay? Yeah. Eat at Chiggers. 
She's not paying us for this. She's not a sponsor of the bridge. But please eat at Chiggers. I did yesterday. There's nothing like a good barbecue sandwich from Chiggers with some plain Grippo's chips and a root beer. That's a blessing no matter what. So Joseph was there, and it says that Potiphar's house, because he had bought this slave, Potiphar had no idea who he bought. So Potiphar had no realization that I'm purchasing this slave off the auction block downtown, and I take him to my house, and next thing you know, everything begins to increase. Everything I've currently been doing and striving for and looking to do myself, and I, I just couldn't make it happen. All of a sudden, this other individual gets in my camp and in my world. Now, all of a sudden, blessing begins to come. We need each other. This is proof that I cannot do this thing called life alone. I need others around me. Because some things God wants us to do together. So Joseph lands in this house and he begins to do the right thing in a bad situation. And it says this. This is the next verse in 5. The ending of verse 5. The blessing of the Lord was on everything that he had both in his house and in his fields. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. He gave no thought to anything except the food he ate. Now Joseph was well built and good looking. <laughs> it's one thing to be blessed. It's another thing to be blessed and good looking. I'm glad I was born with both of those. I'm not going to go into the story about Leslie chased me down. I've told you enough. You already know it. I'm not going to say it anymore. She gets the mic so many times a year, she can tell you all about it. But this story is that as Potiphar puts him over all of his house. Basically, this is the next level of leadership. And this is another learning curve for Joseph. His dad had made him chief information officer, so he's already experienced that in an organizational structure. He knows that job description. But now he lands as a slave in his slave owner's home, and God still blesses him. And next thing you know, Potiphar realizes, hey, the blessing that's coming upon me is because of Joseph. So I'm going to turn over these things. I was letting him do the little bit. Now I'm going to let him do it more. And then I'm just going to keep adding things to him because everything he touches begins to flourish. And as the more things Potiphar lays on him, the next thing you know, it says that Potiphar had everything under his house in Joseph's care. The only thing that Potiphar worried about was eating during the day. How many would like to be a leader with those type of workers? Amen? Tony said amen. <laughs> Get you three or four good janitors, Tony. That whatever they're doing is blessed. Amen? 
So as this happens, Joseph takes on all this account. He's actually learning to be a COO, a chief operating officer. And a chief operating officer, let me find a description for that according to Google because Google knows everything. The chief operating officer is a senior executive tasked with overseeing the day-to-day -day administrative and operational functions of a business. In some corporations, the COO is known by other terms, such as executive vice president of operations, or chief operations officer, or operations director. So in the midst of this good times, because yes, he's still a slave, but God's blessing him so much, he doesn't even realize it, that he's operating the whole household of Potiphar. And in the midst of these good times, how many knows there's enemies that wants to tear down the blessings that you've inherited? That they don't like seeing you succeed. So in the midst of this blessing, he's there and he's doing these things and he's doing the right thing in a bad, in a bad situation, but it turned out to be a good situation because God has given him favor. So as he's there performing his task, watching over the whole house, the next thing you know, Potiphar goes off and he gets so lax in operating his house because he's got Joseph there. He goes on these trips and just begins to live a life of luxury and really don't look after his own affairs very much and he's going on a trip a lot. Next thing you know, his wife's at home, and the last verse that we just read said in Genesis there, in Genesis 38, says that Joseph was well-built and good-looking. Can I tell you this, husbands? Don't leave your wife with somebody well-built and good-looking. Are we allowed to talk about this in church? I don't know. Am I getting off subject here, off topic? Can I, can I tread that water very carefully in a biblical term? Because I didn't read the next verse because I didn't know how many kids would be in the room today. But the next verse says that she tried to pin Joseph down and she tricked him. And she tried to lay with him. And he refused. We're always to do the right thing. Amen? We're always to do the right thing. So men, don't cheat on your wives. Wives, don't cheat on your men. Amen? There's, Betty's the only one brave enough because Jerry ain't here to listen to her. <laughs> chickens. A bunch of chickens. So Joseph was doing the right thing even in the midst of blessing. But sometimes bad situations come about because others don't like us being blessed. So here he is living in all this blessing. He's over the whole operation. He's the COO. And I can imagine that just Joseph is enjoying this good times of being over everything, watching God bless everything he touches. But this bad situation happens again. He had been CIO. His dad loved him, made him a special coat. He ends up doing all the right things. Next thing you know, he ends up a slave, ends up in a slave owner's home. Next thing you know, God begins to bless him. He begins to rise through this occasion. He begins to take on blessing and see faithfulness of God and then a bad situation happens so Potiphar's wife tries to sleep with him he says no next thing you know whenever Potiphar comes home she lied and said he tried to sleep with me I didn't try to sleep with him 
She lied on him. I know some women like those smut novels. Genesis chapter 37 through 50 is kind of like a smut novel. See, he's saying amen no matter what. Bunch of scaredy cats. Read the Bible. You'll be surprised what you will find in there. So in the midst of this, when Joseph said no, she lies on him. When Potiphar gets home, she lies to Potiphar and says, he tried to sleep with me, I didn't try to sleep with him. Potiphar gets angry. Potiphar takes him and throws him in prison. Everybody say, this is a bad situation. So I was living with my, my dad, my 10, 11 brothers. Life was good. They sold me as a slave. God began to turn it around. I began to go through a good time again over all my master's house, doing some good things. Now the next thing you know, a woman lies on me. Now I'm a prisoner. What are you going to do now? We have to decide, what am I going to do now? So Joseph, in the midst of a prison, this is a bad time. This is one of those situations where we can get angry at God and say, why are you allowing continuously bad things to happen to me? We can blame it on him. We can say, poor, poor, pitiful me. But Joseph doesn't take that road. Joseph lands in this prison. What does he do? He continues being Joseph. You need to continue being yourself. Be faithful to God. He's faithful to you. So here he is in the midst of this prison. Genesis 39, verse 19. When his master heard his wife say this, he, the way the slave treated me, he became furious. Joseph's master took him, threw him into the prison. The place where the king's prisoners were continued, confined. So he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph. Don't you love these verses? All these situations always says this, but the Lord was with Joseph. Crosby hit his head, and the Lord was with him. See? It's all good. But the Lord was with Joseph. Look at your neighbor and say, the Lord is with me too. I believe this. Bobby, I believe this. In a bad situation, even when Marissa's mad at you, the Lord is with you. And he showed him kindness. God showed him kindness. Setting in chains in Egypt, a foreign country, I thought slavery was bad. Now I'm in prison. What am I going to do? It seems like it always gets worse. Seems like no matter how hard I try to do the right thing, people lie on me. People cheat. People steal. I do the right thing, and it seems like I always come up on the wrong end of the stick. But God was with him. I love that first two words, but God. 
in the midst of my turmoil, in the midst of my situations where I can't make sense of what I'm living through, in the midst of these bad situations and people doing bad things to me. I didn't do it myself. I shouldn't be here. There's no reason. It's the enemy of my soul is trying to defeat me. But guess what? Even in this situation, I'm going to sit here and watch and see what God will do. But God was with him. He granted him favor in sight of the prison warden. Verse 22. The warden put all the prisoners under Joseph's care. <laughs> when I'm on assignment and God has given me clear direction and he's called me to do something, the world cannot stop me from operating in my function. If God has gifted me to be a blessing to society, put me as a slave and see what I will become. God is with me, and I will, my favor is still here. My blessing is still here. The situation doesn't define who I am. Joseph is living with a blessing. Others are blessed because of him. So whenever he's in Potiphar's house, Potiphar's house is blessed. Put me in a prison cell. Guess what I'm going to be? I'm going to be a blessing. God's favor is going to rest on me. So here I am in the midst of this prison. What am I going to do? Look at gloom and doom and say there's no way out of here? No, I'm going to sit here and be faithful to God. He's going to be faithful to me. I'm going to see his blessings just rolling off of me and everybody around me. You better not get close to me, prisoners, because guess what? God is getting ready to bless somebody up in here. So as a church, what if we'd walk in this room on Sunday mornings and just knowing, man, I've got blessings. I've walked through this week. I've been through hell and high water. God has been faithful. And when I walk in here, don't get up too close to me because blessings are coming off of me. I don't know if you feel it, but I feel it. It's truth. I don't mean to scream. It's still true. The warden put all the prisoners under Joseph's care. I love teaching, but I love preaching too, and I'm trying to sit down right now. <laughs> and I knew this was coming because that's why I brought this chair out here this morning. We've got a place to get to, and it's 1123, and i got some places to go. But I feel right now that somebody in this room you just need to lift up your hands and say, thank you, God, for blessing me. And begin to allow blessings to roll off of me on those around me because there's people sitting around me that I know is facing some hell and high water. I know they've got situations going on. And just the blessings begin to flow in this room. God, pour out your blessings on your people. Prove yourself faithful to those that are sitting here that may be looking to give up. That may be saying, I don't know, this is too hard. This Christian thing is too hard to live out. Be faithful, church. He is. So Joseph was in charge of whatever they were doing. Imagine being on a chain gang. <laughs> a prisoner in Egypt, foreign land. Whistle while you work. Oh, they tell me of a home where no storm clouds rise. Yep. What if we would begin to think of those old songs? 
Amen. That we've heard in church all of our lives. And while we're living in the midst of a bad situation, and we would just let them go, Oh, when the saints go marching in. Come on, somebody. Oh, when the saints go marching in. Oh, how I want to be in that number. Why? Because when the saints go marching on, I want to be there. I want to go to heaven. Amen. And if we begin to live out these and whistle while we work, let's watch God work in the midst of our bad situations. Let's watch God be faithful in the midst of my mess, in the midst of my turmoil, in the midst of these lies and people persecuting me and on a job where everybody's saying all this stuff that's not true. I'm going to be blessed no matter what you say. Why? Because God is faithful. We can believe this. So in the midst of this prison, all these things are happening. Verse 23, the warden did not concern himself with anything that was in Joseph's care. Isn't it amazing how that everybody had all these job duties and these tasks to perform, and the midst Joseph coming in their, in their midst, they just turn it all over to him, and then they go off and do nothing. As a boss, you cannot be lazy. Amen, Chuck? You got any bosses that kind of turns lazy when they get too many workers? Every once in a while, Amen. As a boss, you still got to work. Joseph continued to work even though he had these positions of CIO, COO. It doesn't matter what position or title I get, I still have to work. God isn't asking us to become lazy because he blesses us. In the midst of your blessing, it isn't time to sit back and say, well, I've got some, enough now, and I, I'm safe, and I'm secure here, and I've got these investments, and I've got this portfolio, and this and that. Yeah, I'm just going to lay back in my blessing. You're fixing to mess up. Amen? Keep on working. Rick says all the time, he constantly says, God intends for us to work. There's nothing wrong with some dirty hands. Keep working. So this verse, he didn't concern himself of anything that was in Joseph's care because the Lord was with him, and whatever he was doing, the Lord was making successful. Joseph is an amazing person. He continues to do the right thing, and in doing the right thing, it always turns out in his favor. The prison sentence positioned Joseph to be in the presence of two connected individuals that found themselves in a bad place as well. I've heard it said that misery loves company. How many found that to be true in life? Walk up to somebody and start, man, just, just start telling, man, the Lord has been so good to me, and start testifying, man, he is so good, I've just got so much favor on my life, and whatever I'm putting my hands to, he's blessing, and, and just watch them. They're just going to stand there and look at you like, what's going on? They won't say anything in return. And basically they'll walk away and think, well, good for you. But walk up to them and say, man, I can't believe. I went down there to Chiggers and I bought that sandwich yesterday. And they treated me so mean. And then everybody's going to say, I can't believe it. I was down there at Chiggers too and they treated me mean. And then it's just. And then you get so tore up about it, you post it on Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat it to somebody or whatever other method you got. And you start communicating, you oh my, it's just so mad. I can't believe the whole world done this to me. It's just so bad, and I, I'm so perplexed, and it's all. Misery loves company. So here he is in a prison, and this is what happens. Joseph is sitting here in prison, doing what he's supposed to be doing, 
still doing the right thing. Two people ends up in prison with him. Everybody say the cupbearer. Everybody say this with me. The cupbearer and the baker. And misery loves company. These were people that were operating in a job description for Pharaoh himself. It would be like you being the baker and the person that brings the cup to the President of the United States. The most powerful man on the planet that day was the Pharaoh. And here they are. So this cupbearer ends up in prison. No fault of his own. It's just called Pharaoh got mad. Pharaoh got mad, throw him into prison. Next thing you know, they're sitting here in this prison. Bad situation. They're watching Joseph. They're seeing him act out all these things. And they begin to see, man, he's blessed. I can think some negative thoughts about why I'm here. But whenever I lay down at night, I'm going to lay here. And I'm just going to wait on him because I see this dreamer next to me. And if he can dream dreams, maybe God can give me a dream. And the Bible says that they dreamed these dreams, these two individuals. One of them had done the right thing, ended up in a bad situation. The other one had done a bad thing, ended up in a bad situation. So they both had a dream. They, they couldn't figure it out for themselves, so they asked Joseph, what's the meaning of these dreams? Joseph tells them the interpretation of the dreams. Cupbearer, the reason God gave you this dream, and he showed you these grapes, and he showed you pressing them, and he shows you handing them to the pharaohs because he's getting ready to take you back into your former position. You was done wrong. And God's going to make it right. Baker had a dream of a basket on his head. Birds of the air eating the bread. Joseph said, not going to go as well for you. Pharaoh's going to sentence you to death, and it's going to be a bad time, Baker. But Joseph does this, and he gives them the interpretation of the dream, and he tells the cupbearer, whenever you end up back in Pharaoh's palace, I need you to remember me. And I can imagine him just this good-looking young guy, well-built, good-looking, what we said in the verse, right? Smile at this cupbearer real big. I told you your dream. Whenever it happens, it's going to happen tomorrow. Whenever this happens, remember me. Tell Pharaoh about me. Why don't you? Because I'm a blessing, not a curse. But it says in the verses that follow that the cupbearer forgot him. You can do the right thing to the right people, but it doesn't mean they're going to repay you until it benefits them. That's okay. Uncertain times have certainties, does it not? And I've witnessed this week with the onslaught of this war and this, there's bad situation going on in this world right now. It's not good. But if all we do is sit and glue ourselves to that tube and just intake, 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 all these atrocities of evil in this world. And I'm not telling us to be oblivious and put our head in the sand and act like an ostrich. That won't get you anywhere either. But be careful how much of that we take in. Read God's Word and see if he's not faithful in the midst of bad situations. So I'm not going to get to talk about taxes because I'm out of time. Come back next week. This is the final thing to this. People are worth 
investing your gift in. It's easy to give up on humanity. And it's easy for us to say, I don't know if they're worth my effort. Maybe somebody you don't even like. People are worth investing your gift in. The story of Joseph proves this to be true. So then it's some of them people that you might give up on. Say, I don't know. If God's been graceful to me and merciful to me, a sinner, how can I not repay that to people that's done me wrong? Joseph paints this picture. People are worth investing in. Bitterness will not bring you blessing. Joseph didn't become bitter, he became better. That's a conscious choice that you have to make. I don't want to get bitter, I want to get better. Who are you thankful for in this place today? In the middle of all these situations, I just wonder, and I begin to think about Joseph and his upbringing, his childhood, and not everybody's childhood is the same. But I can just imagine Joseph thanking God for his dad, Jacob. We all need a hero. I thought of that video, and I'd seen that several times on different things. And seeing someone with the success of Tom Brady, some people call him the GOAT. I don't know how many. We have Tom Brady fans in the house. Anybody? There's a couple. Okay. There we go. Nothing wrong with being a Tom Brady fan. I've played him in fantasy league a lot of times. Always try to get him. I'm going to have to switch camps now. That's okay. But to see him worth millions and millions and millions, successful wife worth millions and millions and millions, and for a young kid, This whole time I've been thinking about Joseph. Who's your hero? I remember this video, but I didn't remember that the kid's name was Joseph. I began to think through how my dad is such a blessing to me, such a blessing to my life. And I went up to visit him there the other day and just getting to sit talk to him. And my dad's more faithful to me than I am to him. I've got an idea in my head that I want to write a book about my dad. And I believe that God's putting this on my heart because I could tell you this that if Manna Collier is your neighbor, you've got a good one.
he delivers eggs up and down the holler. My mom cooks <laughs> all the time, and he continually runs errands for her, delivering food up and down the holler. And there's some people that lives close by him that can't really take care of themselves. And my dad is always there for him. He'll grade your driveway. Come on, buddy. He'll plow your garden. He'll bring you food. He'll he'll be there. And to see Tom Brady choke up like that, it just calls me to think how thankful we need to be for those in our life. And Safi, I'm glad you're here. And I'm going to say this plainly as I know how. We as a church need to pray that every kid that she represents in her agency would find somebody to be a dad to them the way my dad is a dad to me. Because we're all Josephs. And we need trained. And we need God's help. Joseph's father, Jacob, taught him the principles of doing the right thing. Jacob learned from his mistakes of not doing the right thing and didn't want his sons to endure his same pain. Won't you stand, if you will? You'll bow your heads and close your eyes. not saying my dad is perfect and my dad is not perfect and he would be the first to tell you he's not but I know this one thing that we didn't have much growing up but I did have a bicycle that's what my dad said the day and he told me when he's a kid that he used to sit and look at the Montgomery Ward magazine dream about a bicycle and he never owned one in his life until just a few years ago that he bought one at the junkyard he had never owned a bicycle and I'd never heard him tell that story I didn't know that he probably couldn't afford the bicycle that Howie ripped me off and took from me my brother for those of you who don't know but they bought it for me anyway let's be a blessing to those around us if you're blessed in this place and you have more than you need then look around and find somebody that is in need or may need some help and be that blessing to them when we are blessed, God intends for us to bless others. I know this church lives this out because of our willingness to help Kentucky Heights property to be sold to the Spyrun House of Prayer. I messaged Travis and them this morning and let them know that we're praying for them and their continued blessing and God's doing great things through their ministry. And I thank God for a church that's willing to share 
because God has blessed us. So if you'll bow your head and close your eyes. And just of this whole story, we keep hearing about this redemption and this redeeming power of God that is over Joseph's life is that God helps him endure the midst of pain, troubles, trials, afflictions. He allows him to continue to get through situations with a clear mind, with a warm heart. Maybe you're here this morning in this place and you've never accepted Jesus to be the Lord of your, and Savior of your life. And you've never given it all to Him and you've tried to fix it yourself and you've made a mess of your situations. And you're sitting here hearing this story of redemption and you're thinking, I want to be redeemed like that. I want to be a Joseph. I want to be a blessing and not a curse. Today would be a perfect day for you to give it to God so no looking around all heads bowed every eye closed is there anybody here today that say that that's me and pastor I'm standing here today and I can feel Jesus speaking to me and he's telling me give it to me stop trying to fix it myself is that you I just want you to slip up your hand anybody here Anybody here? Amen. Amen. Other hands. Anybody else? Just ready to give it to him. Amen. Thank you for that hand. Anybody else? Ready to give him your life. Okay. Maybe you're a Christian standing here today and you, you've been facing some situations and battles that seems overwhelming and you don't know what to do. And you're saying, I want to be a Joseph. I want God to bless whatever my hand touches because I'm in the center of His will. Amen. Amen. Thank you for those hands. Amen. Amen. Hands are everywhere. That is awesome. That is so awesome. Heavenly Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Jesus, you know that the Holy Spirit is knocking upon the hearts of the people in this place. And God, you saw every need that they have raised to you today in this place. For those desiring salvation. Jesus, I know that you came into this world to take upon yourself the sins of all mankind so that we could hand them over to you and walk in freedom. So God, I pray for those today that are seeking that freedom from sin. That they lay it down and they lay it at your feet, Jesus. And that you would lift them up. And that you would let them know that salvation has come to their house today and the weight of sin would be lifted off of their shoulders. And they would walk in the newness of life. That old things have passed away and all things become new. Help them to walk out of this place today with shoes like clouds, God, that they can walk out of here with a newness, a new lease on life, and they'd know that you are with them just as you were with Joseph. 
God, for us in this room to play this place today that raised our hands and said, in the midst of my Christianity, and I've given my my life to God before, and I've not done everything that you've asked me to do, and they want to walk in your blessing, God, and they're asking for your giftedness to rest upon their lives. God, I pray today that your spirit would just descend from heaven and God rest upon them and give them peace that passes all understanding. Lord, as they go out of this place today, that they would know even in the midst of a bad situation, God, that you are faithful, that you are with them. They would sense and know that you are near. God, I pray for our world that we are living in. And Lord, as evil is trying to triumph, God, I pray that you would give wisdom to those that are in leadership. Lord, that the right thing could be done. Not our will, but yours, God. We pray for peace and safety for those in Ukraine today. Lord, for the Christians that we've seen their praying, God. For those fathers that's giving up their wives and their children and watching them walk across the border. God, give them courage and strength. God, help us be mindful of you in all that we say and do. Let us be slow to speak and swift to hear. In Jesus' name, amen.